we all have opportunities in life, and um, I, I remember um, I was actually on my day off. Uh, this was when I was ministering in Texas, and I was, I was in the, the uh, bass shop getting minnows to go fish, and the Holy Spirit of God just kind of prompted my heart to speak to this man about his salvation. But I did not feel like talking to somebody about Jesus. I was tired. I was uh, just weary, didn't want to deal with people, and I just wanted to get out there on the water and just have quiet and relax and rest. I quenched the Holy Spirit. And I went and I fished, and next morning at church, a man in my Sunday school class said, uh, did you hear about that man at uh, Brandon's Bass Shop, the one that gets the menace? I said, no, I didn't. He said, he went home, he shot his girlfriend, and he shot himself. I had a missed opportunity. Now, I don't know what he would have done. Perhaps he would have uh, cussed me and told me to, to go my way. I don't know. But I will never know. And I, I had a missed opportunity. You see, we have opportunities, and we're not sure when the last opportunity we'll have will be. We need to take advantage of those opportunities. And I told God after that, I said, Lord, I'm your servant. I said, if you want me to talk to somebody on my day off, I will. Is that not sad? I, you guys pray for me, okay? But, uh, uh, you know, God, I'm thankful God is gracious with us, but, but we have opportunities, and we need to take advantage of those opportunities. But I want to tell you something. If you're lost today, you especially need to take advantage of the opportunities before you. Uh, we are not guaranteed another day. Uh, and God has given you an opportunity today to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to respond to it in repentance and faith so that you can have eternal life. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus died on the cross for sin and rose again. He paid it all, everything that needed to be paid so we could go to heaven, so we could be forgiven and adopted into the family of God. But you must take advantage of the opportunity. Um, if, if you had someone purchase you an automobile, wouldn't that be a great thing? Suppose they purchased you an automobile and were trying to hand you the, t the keys to that automobile and you wouldn't take it. You would miss the joy of driving that automobile because you refuse to take the keys. Many people refuse to take the keys to eternal life. Jesus holds the keys. There's no one else who holds them. You've got to come to Jesus for those things. So this scripture that we're going to look at today actually deals with, it's the last public record of Jesus' ministry. He ministers to his disciples later, later on in this, in this book. But this is the last public appearance of Jesus. And he is telling them, look, you don't always have the light with you. Respond to the light while you have it. Because eternal things are at stake. And uh, Jesus has some that believe, but they are unwilling to repent. They, their belief is a shallow belief. They will not surrender. They, they say, well, we, yeah, we believe, but they're not going to tell anybody about it. Why? Because they're afraid they're going to be put out of the synagogue. That's pretty sad when, when Jesus is not accepted in the synagogue or in a church, right? 
But they, that's what they were worried about. We'll be put out of the church. They were more concerned with what people thought than what Christ thought. Sometimes people go to hell on good intentions. They intend to be accepted by others more than being accepted by the Lord. And, and so um, we need to take advantage of those opportunities. And that's the title of my message, The Danger of Missed Opportunities. And so look with me at verse 34 of John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 34. Then the crowd replied to him, We have heard from the law that Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Jesus said this and then went away and hid from them. Even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is why they were unable to believe, because Isaiah also said he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, many did believe in him, even among the rulers, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. Jesus cried out, The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on that last day. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command to say everything I have said. I know that his command is eternal life. So the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. The danger of missed opportunities. What do we need to understand about missed opportunities? We need to understand that Jesus ignores insincerity. Jesus ignores insincerity. Uh, verse 34, the crowd replied, We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Does Jesus answer their question? No. He says the light's only going to be with you a short time. He, has, he does not answer their question. Why? Because he understood that they were insincere. What had they just seen? They had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. They had seen all these different signs that Jesus had performed. They had heard the messages. They had heard a voice from heaven. They just heard a voice from heaven speaking. And still they did not believe. The question was just a smokescreen. I've spoken to people like that before. 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with sincere questions and, uh, and, and praise God that we can uh, talk to people about the issues that they have with the things of God. And, and uh, if they're open, uh, we can, we can uh, talk to them about Jesus and, and they can ultimately come to Christ. But some people ask questions not to have them answered, but to have an excuse. Some people, the question is a smokescreen. And you know if you're talking to somebody like that, because if you answer the question, they immediately change subjects and go to another question. You answer that, they'll go to another question, and another question, and another question. And you can see they're completely unfazed by any of the answers that you give. Why? Because they're trying to find an excuse. It's not about getting their question answered. Within their hearts, they just really do not want to surrender to Jesus Christ. They're not sincere. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Sincerity is important with God. I heard about a, uh, a preacher who was praying. This woman's son had gone astray, and uh, she had asked him, would you pray with me for my son? And he said, sure, I would. And uh, she, she prayed, Lord, I thank you that my son is such a good boy. And he said, hang on. You and I both know that's not true. You see, sometimes we pray to God, we're not being sincere. God wants us to be honest. He wants us to be clear about where we are, even if that is not a good place. If you're sinning against God, praise God. He says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you ever had to confess sin? I have to do that just about every day. Uh, sometimes multiple times a day, uh, I have to deal with those things in my heart. And praise God, as we confess that sin, we ask him to help us repent, that he'll do that. And, uh, but we've got to be sincere. Well, the same thing is true with lost people. If you're a lost person today, and you're using questions as a smokescreen, Jesus sees right through it. He knows exactly what is on your heart. He knows you're an unwilling, you're unwilling to give your heart to Jesus. Let me ask you this. If somebody could answer every question you have, would you come to Christ? The answer to that question will tell you a lot about where you are in your heart. Jesus does not respond to insincerity. He just moves right along. He said, I know, I know what this person, this person's not genuine. He answered the disciples' questions countless times. He had long discussions with them about their questions sometimes. But he would not answer the question of someone who's insincere. So if you're lost today, get real blunt, honest with God. Get real sincere with God about where you are and ask God to change your heart and ask God to help you uh, genuinely repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ because your sincerity is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. If you're a child of God, be sincere. Okay, Be sincere about where you are with God in prayer. Why? Because you've got to deal with those sins in your life. But also, you need to be sincere because as you are sincere, what are you doing? You're telling God about what your needs are, right? Lord, I'm falling short in this area. I'm, I'm struggling in this area. And as you're being sincere, it invites God into the process so that he can minister to you where you are. If, you don't, if, you're, if you're trying to pretend everything is okay, um, God won't respond to that. But if you get sincere and you get real with God, God will draw near to you. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, I love the story about uh, the publican and the tax collector. And 
uh, tax collectors were viewed as thieves by most of the Jews because they could set their fee whatever they wanted and just, uh, just cause people a lot of trouble and difficulty. This tax collector or publican is, is on his knees and he's, he's, he's overcome by the guilt of his sin. He, he's just weighed down by it and he's beating his breast and he's, he's on his knees and his head is bowed over and he says, God be merciful to me a sinner. You know what Jesus said? That man went home justified. Aren't you glad that God shows mercy to sinners? Praise God. I am one. Praise God. The mercy of Jesus Christ and his grace is enough. Um, so the danger of missed opportunities, what we need to understand. First of all, we need to understand that Jesus ignores insincerity. Secondly, you need to understand that Jesus limits the time. Jesus limits the time. Verse 36, why you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Jesus said this and then went away and hid from them. This was the last opportunity they would ever have. We have a member in our church who, who told me that uh, he was sitting, he'd been resisting the nudging of the Holy Spirit to give his heart to Christ. He was sitting in the pew one day and he felt like the Lord spoke to his heart and said, this is your last chance. And he got out and he gave his heart to Christ. Praise God for it. But God doesn't always give that warning. Think about this. Judas was under the best ministry of any human being that's ever lived. Jesus Christ. Three years with Jesus Christ. And Judas never got saved. His time passed, and the Bible says that the devil entered into him, and he betrayed Jesus, and the consequences ultimately committed suicide uh, from it, and, and it just was destroyed, and then went to hell on top of it. All because he missed the limited time that Jesus had given him to repent. You see... God is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He is rich in mercy to those who call on him. And, and chances are he's going to give you more than one opportunity. But you are not guaranteed that. And as you persist in resisting the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you something. That's a dangerous place to be. Because the time is limited. I want to tell you something. Our time is limited as God's people too. Um, we have a limited time to serve Jesus. Don't put your light under a bushel. Let your light shine, okay? Uh, reach out to people uh, who don't know Jesus Christ. Uh, tell people about Jesus. Uh, invite people to church. Try to make the difference you can make in the lives of people because we have a limited time. And we don't know. You may talk to somebody just like with my experience, and they might not be here tomorrow. And you have the opportunity today. Take those opportunities today. Well, I'll serve Jesus some other time. Well, I've got things to do. I've got other priorities. Listen, take the time you can for Jesus while you can. The time is limited. Uh, so Jesus limits the time. You need to understand that, especially if you're lost. You need to understand, you don't have forever. The Scripture says elsewhere, today is the day of salvation. If Jesus is dealing with your heart, you need to repent and give your heart to Jesus Christ uh, today. Uh, don't wait. 
uh, for another opportunity. So the danger of missed opportunities, what do we need to understand? Understand that Jesus ignores insincerity, that Jesus limits the time. Thirdly, that Jesus hardens in judgment. Verse 40, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. This scripture is controversial, okay? It's actually a quote from the book of Isaiah, and, and Isaiah's situation was this. The people of Israel had been resisting the word of God. They had been persisting in sin over and over and over and over again. They had been hardening their heart to the things of God over and over again. So God says, since that's what you want, I'm going to help you out with it. I'm going to harden your heart. And that was Isaiah's message, that you have, you have gone so far in sin and so far in hardening yourself to the things of God that now I'm hardening you as, as, a, as a nation. I think some of that hardening has come to America. We've become hard to the things of God, and I believe it, it, it's very possibly a judgment of God. Uh, you say, well, I thought Jesus said he didn't come to, to judge, he came to redeem. And well, that's true. But if you refuse what Jesus wants to do for you, and you consistently refuse it, then the hardening work of the Lord comes about ultimately in your life, and God begins to, to harden you to things of God. Uh, one, one of the saddest things in my ministry was to preach the funeral of a lost man. Uh, it was my first church, um, and his wife was a dear Christian, just a sweet lady, loved Jesus. His kids were believers, and, and they loved him. Uh, but, but he just would not listen. He, he told me, I went to see him one day, and they told me, they said, well, he might be a hard case, you know. Uh, I went to see him, and he said, he said, you know what? He said, I'm better than the people in your church. He said, I know them. I'm better than they are. I don't need Jesus. And I said, well, could I share some things from God's Word about, about uh, why we need Jesus? He said, no. He said, I don't want to hear it. And he refused to talk with me. He had apparently, there's a long string of pastors and evangelists and people that had come to talk to him about Jesus, and he rebuffed every one of them. He said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want anything to, to do with it. Um, I'm going to go my own way. And as far as I know, unless God intervened somehow between uh, the time I talked with him and his death, and his family certainly didn't know about a conversion, he went to hell. How sad. He had attended that church at times in the past. Uh, he had heard the witness of a godly wife. He had heard the, the prayers uh, of his children. And, and yet he resisted and he resisted and he resisted. And he hardened his heart and he hardened his heart and he hardened his heart. And I think God gave him over to it. Now if you know somebody like that, you pray for them because God can reach those hard cases, and he can work in their lives. And I wish I had prayed more consistently for that man than I did. But, uh, it's, you know, it was, it was so sad. All I could do was comfort the family. I couldn't say anything about him because he was in hell. It was so sad. Jesus 
may be meek and lowly in heart, but Jesus also has a deadline. And if we harden ourselves against him, somebody once said uh, uh, loving, uh, loving God would not send somebody to hell. Um, and uh, someone else said, well, you know, sometimes we say, well, not what I will, but what you will. But if you say, Lord, not what you will, but what I will, he'll give you your, your request. And if you refuse to do the will of God and you refuse to repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ, there's, there's but one other option. And that is the option of hell. Hell is a place where there is sin consistently. People will sin throughout eternity. And there will be judgment throughout eternity. There will be darkness. It's a place of darkness. Um, firemen can tell you when a, when a fire gets so hot, uh, the smoke is so thick you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's darkness, fire, burning. You say, well, I don't like that. doesn't matter. Well, I don't believe that. still doesn't matter. It's a reality. Those who harden themselves to the things of God will one day face God's judgment in hell if they don't repent. So make sure you take advantage of the opportunity you have to trust Jesus while you have that opportunity. The danger of missed opportunities, understand... um, that Jesus ignores insincerity, he limits the time, he hardens in judgment, and fourthly, he speaks for the Father. Jesus, verse 44, Jesus cried out, the one who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. You see, Jesus throughout his ministry has said, look, I'm not just saying whatever comes to mind, I'm saying what God has given me to say. So that as I speak, God is speaking. So that as you respond, you're responding not just to the human being, Jesus Christ. You're responding to God the Father. Responding to Jesus Christ is important too. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I have all the authority of heaven behind the words I'm saying. I want you to know, as you hear a gospel message... And the preacher is rightly dividing the word of truth. That's an important qualification, okay? And you're, we are called as Christians to evaluate that. You evaluate what I say or what anybody else says by the measure of God's word, okay? But assuming that he is speaking God's word, or your Sunday school teacher is speaking God's word, it's not just them that's speaking. It's God. You're having an encounter with the living God. How will you respond? Jesus is trying to get them to see the seriousness of their situation. This isn't just responding to an individual. The God, the living God, was speaking into their lives. They had an opportunity to respond to it. How would they respond? Let me ask you something. Would you respond differently if your favorite, uh, I won't, uh, I'll use your favorite politician, okay? Maybe you, don't, maybe you don't have a favorite politician, I don't know. But suppose you've got somebody that you respect, okay? It's a leader, maybe it's not even somebody in Washington, but somebody you respect, okay? Would you respond differently if they called you on the phone and asked you to do something versus somebody that you know in everyday life? Probably so, right? Uh, you, you, you've heard of people that... 
who, who have served on the cabinet or something like that of a president. And they said, well, the president called me, and he asked me to serve my country, and I felt like I had to do that. So I left my lucrative career, and I went to do this. Um, there's a sense that we, we value those things said by those who lead who are respected by us. How much more should we value the things of God as he speaks to our hearts and lives? There's no more sober call. There's no more important call than the call God makes to a human heart to repent and trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. But I'm going to tell you, as, as Christians, there's no more important call than the call God makes uh, for salvation. But there's also an importance to the calls he makes to us after salvation. To serve him, to speak for him, to live for him. To repent of sins as he puts his finger on something in our life that we need to deal with. Um, we need to take these things seriously. We have an opportunity to make a difference for Christ. We need to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, where are you today? Are you responding to God's word? Are you taking advantage of the opportunities as a child of God? The opportunities to serve him and follow the leading of his Holy Spirit and his word? If you don't know Christ, are you taking advantage, you haven't yet, but are you taking advantage today of the opportunity that is being given to you to trust Christ? It, it's interesting to me that he quotes two scriptures from Isaiah. If you look in verse 38, he says, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's a quotation from Isaiah 53. What's Isaiah 53 about? It's about Jesus suffering for our sins. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, Isaiah prophesied of what he would come to do. He would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that would bring us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. He offers himself as a guilt offering. He paid the price, and he would again see the light of life and would see his offspring, spiritual offspring, right? Those who trust in him. You see, this is why it's so important to listen. What did God do? He did something that is incomprehensible. God sent his son to die for us. To spurn that. To spurn the suffering that Jesus took for your sake is an offense and a spit in the face of God. God is patient. God is long-suffering. He's slow to anger, but he has his limits. He's calling you today. You need to respond today. What does Jesus ask us to do? Based on what he's done in paying the price for our sin, he asks us to receive that gift of eternal life by making a choice to turn from our sin in our own way to follow Christ. You see, you take yourself off the throne of your life and you put Jesus on it. Okay, that's what lordship is. To confess Jesus as Lord, as Romans says, is to confess that he is now on the throne of your life. And Jesus, Jesus asks us to receive. I love John 1.12. It says, to them that receive him, that is Jesus Christ, he gave the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. 
But Jesus is calling you to make a choice to repent and to a choice to trust in Jesus Christ. And the, the wonderful thing about it is, is the moment you make that choice, you become God's child. The moment that you make that choice, God's Spirit comes to live within you, and you can know the abundant life. The moment that you make that choice, heaven becomes your assured future. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful thing? But you have to make the choice. He's holding the keys out to you today. Will you take the keys and receive what Jesus has purchased for you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing gift that you gave us at Calvary. Thank you that Jesus paid the price for our sin. Thank you that he said it is finished. And Lord, we, we believe that he rose again. And Lord, I pray that this morning people would make cho the choice to repent of sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And Father, for those Christians here today that you've been tugging upon their heart about some step of obedience or something that they need to do, I just pray, God, that all of us as your people would also respond to you this morning.